Welcome to the On Course Podcast presented by New England Golf Journal. I am Sean Mulia, joined by Jim McCabe, as always. Jim, how's it going? Everything is wonderful. Everything it is, is wonderful. wonderful. It's, it, it's, a, it's golf season. <laughs> yes. And so wanted to take a few minutes before we get to our Sue Curtin interview just to ask you, you play a bunch of golf. Uh, you are a, a member or play at a, at a nine hole golf course, typically Milton Husick. Milton Husick. I didn't want to out it if, in case you didn't want to. So <laughs> no. Milton Husick, if you're, if you're ever looking for Jim, maybe 20 there. hours a day, yeah. he's down there. I wanted to just, what, what kinds of games, scoring matches, what, what's your, what, what do you like to do when you, when you play golf with your buddies or you got games going on down at Milton Hussick that you particularly like to like to play, maybe help uh, yeah, some people they, out. They, they tend at the, the who, when we do have a full complement. a lot of times we do have enough. We play eight, three groups, 12, 12, and it's very simple and it's very sketchy sometimes it's like your foursome against our foursome against the other foursome and okay handicaps and this and that and yeah stroke play yeah stroke well best ball of four or sometimes okay. we'll do then we'll do best ball of four except part threes best three or four oh right okay now. and again you just add up different numbers but i used to i always get a little sketchy with the with with, with judging do we give this to him? Oh yeah, he's on our. He's team. on our like, team, right? Yeah, yeah. They don't play a lot of really <clears throat> crazy games. I mean, sometimes I, I hear the other groups do, you know, best two against. You're on a four four man team. Yeah. Two two of you are in one group and two are in the other group. Yeah. Okay. They play stuff like that. Keep it honest. Yeah, a little more honest. I. I don't tend, I am not, believe it or not, all the years I've played, I've never been one of these guys. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> if the game is there, <clears throat> excuse me, if the game is there, I, I'm in. But we don't, we don't play a lot of, a lot of fun games there. I, I know of great games that other, other courses play and that's for another show, I guess, come on some of the, some of the games, but no, the who is pretty simple. Yeah. Any, have you, so the one thing that I always love playing and people don't like it, uh, and I don't get to do it a lot cause it's, you got to convince someone to play alternate shot. Have you ever played alternate shot as like a, I am, just um, a, a thing to do or are you anti? I've been, shot? I, uh, no, I am so pro. I actually think, I truly think if it were up to me that there would be one day, make it a club, make it national, make it statewide, where it's an alternate shot, pure, yeah. pure alternate shot. Okay. When you say pure, what does that mean to you? Foursomes, you, you only take one drive. I drive the evens, you drive, Got you it. go from there. And I'll, I'll quickly remind myself all the time of, En route to an open championship one year, it was at Royal St. George's, and we were able to get a tee time at Rye Golf Club uh -huh. on the west, on the east coast of England, yep. right on the channel. Yep. And they said, after we were thanked them profusely for getting us on, they said, oh, just to remind you, that is for some Sunday. <laughs> and of course, we're typical stubborn Americans were like, well, what does that mean? And well, oh, you got to play alternate shot. And of course we're not going to came all that. this way. And we ended up with a three ball. Cause one of my friends had an unfortunate 
incident where he lost his clubs. Uh-huh. And long story short, we got there and I was playing my great friend Alex Maselli and we they let us play your own ball. Yeah. And of course, well, this is the way golf is played. Mm-hmm. We got to about the rules. third hole and we realized it was a foursome ahead of us. Two two boys, two two men, two women. I assume they were husband and wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. They were definitely couples. And it was one of the most beautiful thing. It was like watching synchronized golf. Yeah. Because they would, the four, four of them would walk off the tee. And if the women would drive and the men would take their club. Yep. Knowing where the women were going to drive. Sure. And the women would drive. And by the time the women would get to their ball, the men have already hit their second yeah. shot. Yeah. And the men would wait for them and they would walk. And here we are, stubborn Americans, thinking, ah, we'll never, they'll never, they'll never move fast enough or they'll let us play through. They were, they were like already a hole ahead of us when we decided, <laughs> why don't we do this? Yeah. And we did it. And it might have been one of the most fun days it of is. golf I've ever had in my life. I yeah. loved it. I just absolutely thought it was great. There should be, there should be a statewide foursomes tournament. Yeah. I honestly, I think it's, it's such a great way to to play golf. It's fast. It's so fast. I I played last year in an event at Framingham Country Club called the Ham with a with a buddy of mine who invited me to play. And the morning you played best ball, had lunch, and then you went out again in the afternoon and played mm. all shot. And we had to do the same thing where we picked like who's you had already seen the golf course. So then we were trying right. to figure out who wants to hit different tee shots. Par threes, par five start to matter a little bit. Surely, and yeah. and then we went out and played, and we probably played in under two hours. I believe it. We were in carts, so we didn't get to do the kind of the the, the synchronized golfing that you were talking about. But it is a it is a really great way to play. I, it's just it's one of those things. I think like you were saying, stubborn Americans, that idea of I want my full golf experience. Mm-hmm. I want to hit every shot. I but as a member at a place, it could be kind of just a nice way to see the golf course from a different perspective. You know, there's a great strategy that goes with it too. And I just briefly, if my friend drives, if I drive it, my 205 yards and say the second shot is a little dicey in his own ball, he'd go for the green, try to carry a bunker from say he has a 200 yard shot looking over knowing I'm his partner and that (laughs) you don't want to leave me with a tight wedge over a bunker to a pin cut tight. Okay, Jimmy, why don't we hit it up? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, it becomes a strategy. You know what your partner's strength is. I know what my strength is. We kind of play to that. And again, you don't waste a ton of time discussing shots because the club's in your hand. You're going to do what is best for you. Yep. Quite honestly, it's 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 an it's a it's a side of golf that a flavor of golf that not not enough people have played and don't understand how much fun it is. And maybe we'd be better at it in the Ryder Cup if we played it a little bit during the year. So there's we a reason win, why we could win some yeah, sessions in uh, foursomes. Well, yes. So if you get the chance, if you're looking for a quick 18 holes, give alternate shot a try. It's it's really great. I wish I played it more. If I was a member at a place, I think it is something I would kind of throw around with with somebody's, even if it's a second 18, just go play 36 and make that second 18 all shot. Let's bring in Sue to chat with us about women's golf, her role in women's golf and, and growing 
growing women's golf in Massachusetts and, and beyond. Want to welcome in Sue Curtin to the On Course podcast. Sue, thanks for uh, hopping on with Jim and I today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking about golf, competitive golf, and hearing some of your stories over over your time playing in in a bunch of events with a bunch of different people. And I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jim drive the boat a little bit here, as <laughs> as I know you guys go way back, way back. Yeah, yeah. I think the Boston Globe Tournament of Champions, Jim. Yes, right? yes, yes. <laughs> That's a story. We will maybe get into that story, but we will. <laughs> I, when I talked about having you on too, I, I said the to me the the really cool thing that you've 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 been honored, and people know you as a competitor in this. But what I love is that Sue is really invested in the women's game. She's really invested in competition. She is kind of what I look at as like a bridge to the what's going to be the future of the game and really helping young young women play competitive golf at the state level right now, taking it to college, and then here's the key, retaining them so that the future when they are mid-ams, and it is, I know young people don't like to think it's ever going to happen they are going to be mid-ams <laughs> soon enough yeah it's amazing how every year the the mid-am competitors get younger and i get older yeah, yeah. it does happen it does happen yeah but so talk- you think about that there's an ex- exponential gap there right you get older right. and they get younger and you're not <laughs> against them it's i wasn't prepared for that so. but talk about your passion to to see young women play competitively especially in college and I know you have a good background in college golf. Oh, mine's a, I have a very odd, I have a very unconventional background, I think, to most people trying to play this game at my age. But yeah, I mean, I think my passion really comes from, I, I, I got myself started in golf and I had to, I, I grew up in Southern California on this little public golf course that is now famous for George Gankus called Westlake Golf Course. And it's a, it was a, a par 67, tiny little flat, hard pan golf course that was a really great place to learn. But I was, I was the only girl in the junior program, really kind of had to sort of navigate my own way through. And that, that's not a, that's not a woe is me story. I think in a lot of ways that helped me. My, my parents were hardworking entrepreneurs and, and not, not really athletes. And so I think, I, I think if I could dial back the time, I wish I had I had known more about tournament golf when I was at learning how to play because I really came to that late and was fortunate enough to play on a really good high school team. The very famous players on that team, Charlie Wee, Chris Ambry, who was the head coach at USC and played a bunch of the mini tours and just a whole host of of very good players. I mean, Phil Mickelson won our, the individual of our state championship at our home course, my junior year. So just a, you know, I was exposed to a lot of great players, but the tournament side of golf, I got to very late and I ended up getting recruited and playing one year at, at BYU, which I've, Jim knows this story, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm was raised a Catholic and Catholics don't really make good Mormons. And so that was a short lived, that was a short lived experience at, at BYU, but that got me out to the East coast where I transferred to Holy Cross in Worcester, which did not have a women's team at the time. And so I think I very passionate about opportunities I did not have that just uh, want to encourage more young women to 
take up this journey and, and then, and not leave the game, right? Life gets in the way. Certainly life got in the way for me. After my freshman year of college, I, I moved to the East coast to go to school here and I ended up stopped playing golf and enlisted in the coast guard, which is a whole nother story. And really didn't really play much competitive golf. I played here and there. And then you start working in a career and then I started having kids and, and there really wasn't much time for any of this. So I, I really feel like I really stepped my, you know, head first into competitive golf when I was 45. And, and so I still feel like a newbie and a rookie and, and still learning things and trying to find my way. But I just love being able to compete and spend time with the high school kids and the college kids we get to play with here locally. They're all just great young women. And it's just so fun to watch them starting out and finding their game and, and getting their college scholarships and going off to play. It's, it's, it's quite rewarding. And I have two boys, so it's fun to have these young girls in my life to, to, to watch them on their journeys too. As, as a high schooler playing high school golf, were you the only girl on the team? Yeah, I was the first, yeah, I was the first girl to play for Westlake high school ever. And Back then we played the championship tees with the guys. So I was 110 pounds soaking wet. And I just remember my, my ping, my ping woods, my ping driver, I would hit driver three wood wedge to pretty much every single par four on the golf course. That was just, and it was a result of that. I learned how to be a good putter and good short game, but it was a, it was a different era. If you wanted to compete, that's, that's how you had to do it. And, and you know, only maybe a better player, but a totally different different space. And Danielle King came along years later and played for Westlake before going to Pepperdine. But it's really, it's really gratifying to see how much that's changed. I think here in the Northeast, there's still more room to grow with high school golf. And, but I guess it's very promising. I was just looking at the entries into the Massachusetts Women's State AM. And I mean, there's 80 players and there, I would say more than half of them are college or younger, which is something we've never seen in the the years I've been involved in local golf. So it's, that's a really good sign for all of us. That's kind of the point. People think, oh, you sign up for tournaments because, oh my, I'm really, really good at golf. So I'm going to sign up for a tournament. And it's almost like, well, before you judge how good your game is, how much is your, how strong is your passion? Because once you get into it, once you get into golf, it opens up doors. You're going to have friends not every state competitor is going to go to play college golf. Playing college golf is difficult. Uh, you have to be pretty good. But not only do you have to be pretty good, but it's also, I mean, most people don't realize that you spend more time out of the classroom than any other sport with golf because of the travel time. It, right. it is a massive commitment. And that, that was something I learned my freshman year was I was, I was literally, we were literally flying all over the West Coast, like, I was barely in class, like, and it's really hard to juggle. I, the kids that we see today doing it, it's quite impressive, the commitment you have to make. I always just tell people, just get into the game because I hated to burst my son's bubble and say, oh, I love hockey and I love baseball. Yes, but the last hockey game you were ever going to play is your senior year in high school, <laughs> ditto ba- baseball, and he's, he's, he's a golfer now. It's, it, it is a game that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And I, I know that's 
conversation you have with these young young girls, these young women that this is going to be with you forever. And it's going to be, you can't put a price tag on what doors it can open. Yeah, not only that, but like just where life takes you too. It's, it's as I said before, like career, career, depending on what you end up doing as a career, there's times, and especially as women, I think that's another thing. I, th- I think there's definitely still growth that needs to happen in the workplace for women where they feel the freedom to be able to get outside and take the time to compete and not worry about how that's going to reflect at work. I mean, I think, I think, I think you talk to any female executives that I don't think it's a level playing field there. And I, when people say, why do we lose so many mid-ams? But you think about that period of time when you're trying to grow your career. I don't think women have been able to leverage a lot of time off to play, depending on what they choose to do, right. As a profession. But, but, but the thing about golf is, and then you can, you can have a family and you can, but you can always come back to golf. You can take, you can take time off, but you can always come back to it. And I think, I think that's what's been so exciting for me. I, I'd never, I played in the U.S. Mid-Am back in 2000, right before we had kids. And that's the only USGA tournament I ever played in my life and had not tried again until I was 45. And in I'm 53 now and eight in those past eight years, I've qualified for 10 USJ events. So I think that's the lesson for, I think a lot of women is that golf is something you can always come back to. And I'm very grateful for that. It's a little harder. (laughs) Was was there anybody that kind of pulled you back into the game? Was it pretty independent on your part? Well, I mean, I think you, I think the camaraderie of, the women golfers here in Massachusetts is really strong and friends like Shannon Johnson and Megan Buck and Pam Kwong and Tara Connolly. I mean, they, I could see, I could see them doing it. And I was just sort of like, why not me? And, you know, and I, life circumstances allowed for me to, my husband is absolutely incredibly supportive. And we have a, one of our kids has had some extraordinary needs through his development, which really you made it even more difficult to to take the time to play. I was shuttling him. I think it, we added it up. It was like over 7,000 hours I spent in the car getting him to and from all the different schools he was going to through first grade, through graduating high school, which I don't, I would, I would drive 10,000 hours for him. But, but so that I was freed up from those priorities too. So I think it was a combination of life circumstances allowed me to have the opportunity to go after this. And then just the camaraderie of my fellow competitors and friends, like watching them do it, it, it was just sort of like, I can, I can do this too. And I think that certain, certainly sparked, kept the spark going and, and continues to, which is great. You got a good taste of the, the landscape, what the landscape is like now in, in a good, in a good way. When you qualified for the U.S. four ball, I know people are looking from the outside in saying, I'm like, you know, what's with all these young boys and young girls, these teenage kids, we, we, it's, it's a reality. And you saw it firsthand. Talk about how good that competition was in the, the years that you well, it continues to be. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think generally usually only about four or five mid-am groups make it. To the to the four ball every year for in the way I'm talking about the women's division and our first the first year Pam and I played together was at Streamsong and our 
second round, we proceeded to watch Kristen Gilman, who had just won the USAM, Women's AM, just walked around that place and shot a 65 on her own ball. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like, okay, this is a different level, right? Like yeah. all together. But yeah, you see, I mean, it's, it's, I played with Chelsea, I guess that was two Aprils ago in Puerto Rico. And I was the oldest competitor in the field. I was older than many of the parents that we met at the bar at night that, that were out of caddying for their kids. That was a little shocking, but yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're 12, they're 13, they're 14 years old, right? Like, I mean, at playing at that level, it's pretty impressive. And it's good though. It, I mean, we. It's great. We, I mean, I, I, golf is in good hands and there's more to do, but I think girls and women's golf in the next five years is you were going to see, we're going to see some really good talent coming up the ranks. I, I do think, I know the USJ has some efforts that they're beginning to put in place on putting some more resources into player development because you see, I mean, Canada, I, we see it a lot on our level at the senior and, and mid-am level, but the, the, the Canadian juniors, just take a look, like what they're doing. And, and Canada's made, a, Canada golf has made a huge investment in their player development. And it's, it's, you can just see the results when you look at, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's impressive. So, you know, I'm hoping that whatever the USGA version of that is going to open a lot more doors. Golf is obviously socioeconomically very prohibitive to, to a lot of people. And I know you just recently wrote that great article on Megan Kang and her story and her family's story, but many tournaments as a youngster that they just couldn't, they had to really pick and choose right. the quality of events they would go to just because they were so limited in their, on the affordability. And so I hope there's future Megan Kangs out there that fall under the USGA umbrella and, and we'll get some of that support to be able to travel more and play in the, and play in events. So I think that's, that's an area of, definitely of growth that I think will continue to help. I would say locally, I go back long enough where there was a divide. There was the women's state golf and then the, the mass, mass, mass golf association. I just see nothing but pause, so many positives with it all being under the same roof, under the roof of mass golf. Yeah. I mean, I obviously no organization is, is perfect. And the merger was, and that, it was an absolute necessity. I mean, I, you're, you had two legacy organizations. The WGAM was actually older than the MGA right. and has an incredible history when you go way, way back from what, what they supported. But it, it, it definitely was in need of modernization. And, and I, think you guys have, I think you guys are witnessing that. I was fortunate enough to work with Becky Blazer, who used to work at, at, at Mass Golf in developing the rebranding of the two organizations. And and I'm very proud of that work and how, how Mass Golf has really put a shine and brought a lot of attention to competitive women's golf. And I think yeah, I mentioned that the Mass Women's Amateur as an example. Prior to the merger, it was it was it was a all mostly volunteer run organization, and the branding of it it was used to be called the Association Championship, which was basically the the the, the state amateur for women. And there was no, no, people had no access to it or knew that it exists. And just, just rebranding it into the mass women's amateur that first year we had record number of entries and now it's a sellout, which is just incredible. We have 80 players heading over to Dedham in two weeks and, and 
the ages are like back to that. There's going to be 13 year olds competing against 60 year olds. So it's, it's, uh, it's awesome to see how much, how much that has grown and how much mass golf has brought attention and invested in making sure that women's golf is, is being covered and celebrated. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was just going to say the other, I think the other piece within the women's game that kind of watching men's mid-am golf kind of, it's almost like its own tour <laughs> throughout, yeah. throughout the summer and yes. talking about retaining golfers and, and kind of creating those relationships for girls who are maybe high school, college. We were at the WOMED and, and it was nice to watch. I think it was Piper Jordan and maybe Maddie yeah. Smith. Maddie Smith. And not, I mean, I watched them play a little bit, but then watching them afterwards, Mackenzie Whitney was another one, just like hanging out, which was yeah. a, this really nice feel. You see it with the college boys. There were a slew of them there who all just like hung out and watched their buddies finish the round. Yeah. Uh, it was a little bit of a Jesse Menachem kind of said the college kids are kind of done with mass golf for the year, which is also amazing. It's, it was late July and yeah. getting ready for college, yeah. maybe USAM stuff, but that feeling of like how just generating some mid-am energy in, in the women's game. I'd look at someone like Amelia Migliaccio, who has nothing to do with new England, yeah. but just as like but, yeah. this really good presence. golfer and a presence, yeah. I think Shannon Johnson is a, is kind of our version of that Megan Buck as well. Just is there, is there any, like, I don't know if there's a question here, but it's just that observation of like with the game growing would- at the younger levels, getting now to the point where, there can be more energy in that mid-am women's game where there's there's some events that kind of draw them in and and keep them in the game when they finish college and they're out at for a couple of years and they're like, oh, this is this is some stuff I can really like sink my teeth into and play. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a I mean, there's a I don't think it gets it doesn't get a lot of attention. And maybe that that that's gonna change too. But I mean the 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 camaraderie and excitement and that sort of energy you're talking about has definitely been around for a while in that, in the mid-am golf. And I just don't think it's ever been exposed. It is, it's like one giant dysfunctional family that, you know, that group, it's like just a, I can just rip off a bunch of names to you of just people we've, that that are in that core group that we see at, at these national championships. And, and it's a, it's a really strong and very talented group. It just, it, it just doesn't get the attention of and covered like it should. And I, I hope that can change. The, the other thing is that we don't have as many events. The mid-ams, certainly the seniors, like my husband joked, like I was probably the only woman in America to be so happy to turn 50 because it like, it opened up like more than double the events I could play in as versus being a mid-am. So I think, I think as, as we can grow some of those opportunities for so that mid-amps have more opportunity to, to compete. I mean, Jim, you also wrote a, an article about Tara Connolly and her efforts and kudos to Tara because she she took it upon herself and led the creation of the Amateur Golf Alliance Women's Mid-Am and Senior Championship. And and that thing is, I mean, it's it's a three-day stroke play and it's it's as competitive. The, the U.S. Mid-Am, Women's Mid-Am is, a, is obviously a match play event, but as a three-day 54 stroke hole play event. I mean, it's as competitive as the U S mid-am it's she's really in a very short period of time, 
you know, she saw that this need and in a very short period of time, she's been very successful in, in leading that effort. And, and so the minute, I mean, you really think about the mid-ams, they, they have the U.S. mid-am to play in for women and this AGA event. And there's not, there's some regional stuff. There's the Southern mid-am and I think there's a couple others, but in the opportunity level, it's low, right? So it's not like the guys that have, they could be on, they're basically like full-time amateurs. They could be playing all the time. So that makes it, that makes it hard, right? To, to kind of keep that level of energy. And I think back to the financial piece, I think women still haven't attained sort of that financial freedom that a lot of men have that allows them to to be able to do this. So more has to happen, right? To, 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 to grow that, but there's certainly there's certainly a great deal of really great camaraderie and a really talented bunch of women that should get more attention for their play. But love to see Anwa give out some more mid-am invites to down at Augusta National and don't uh, yeah don't even get us started on that because I was on a I was on a little campaign after Shannon Johnson won the 2018 U.S. Women's Mid Amateur Championship. It was right at the beginning of that and yeah that's right and, and a funny little story about that is that. We were down in, happened to be down in Florida, and Shannon and I got to go over and play Seminole. We met Jimmy Dunn on the driving range, and and I introduced Shannon. I'm like, oh, she, this is Shannon Johnson, just just won the U.S. Women's Mid Amateur Championship, and I'm like, she's from the same club as Matt Parziali, who just won it the year before. He's like, oh, the fireman. We totally remembered the story, and and he's like, so, and he said something like, so are you excited to play Augusta? Right. And he just made this, he made this assumption that yeah. there was a, there was an exemption for the mid-am champ. And we're, I think our faces just dropped like, like, ah, uh, no, it's not happening, <laughs> but if there's anything you can do, Mr. Dunn, that would be great. And, and actually we had a couple, I wrote one and we had somebody else write a, a letter to the editor and a couple of golf publications just to kind of call it out a little bit, but it'd be really cool if they gave the last two U.S. mid-am champs an exemption into ANWA because like these, these women can compete at that level. Yep. And no it just exposed, I mean, yeah. we've seen how that event itself has, has kind of opened the the door for people to just see women's golf and it it's would incredible. be incredible. Some mid ams in there and the elite amateur series is the other one, which we don't have to get into, but like once I, I'm yeah. hoping that they turn their men's into, into a women's as well. in in the near future to, well, that is, I think that's something Tara is definitely helping promote with that, the, with the AGA event and, and they've just announced that the women are going to have a division in the concession cup, which is really cool. That's yeah. going to be so good. Yeah. There are some things happening. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. It is. And it, it, this people might think, well, this isn't really golf, but it is golf because one of the things we love about golf is, and it's true. We say it, but it's true. The best people that you meet in your life because of golf, the most generous, the most giving, and you, it's belated, it, but it's several months, but congrats. I mean, the Richard Conley Award through the We Met Group is it's pretty impressive. I mean, first of all, Dick, Dick Conley is a, a podcast for several hour podcast. You can know that man. But another another great Holy Cross graduate. Too. Yes. That's right. Another yep. Holy Cross. Yeah. Yep. As he, as he, he tends to let people know that. Great, great award. And it was well-deserved. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was Definitely quite a, a shock. And when I first got the phone call from Dick, I 
thought I was in trouble. I thought I'd done something wrong. And <laughs> I called him right back. And, and, he, and he, when he told me why he was calling, I was like, wow, that's like, it was just really, I was really floored and flattered. And, and it was a, I know you were there, Jim, and it was a, it was really an opportunity for me to recognize John Minnick, who yeah. is the founder of Boston Golf Club, who was my mentor, who I met when I was working at the MGA a million years ago. And he took me under his wing and he was on the executive committee and got to watch him build his dream and building Boston Golf Club. And, and like, he did so much for me just personally as a mentor and having, again, not grown up sort of in sort of the golf circles. It was really meeting him that he really taught me all about the great golf course architecture and just a lot of the etiquette around these places and private golf. And he just, he, I was always the only girl on these, these exploratory golf trips that he was going on to do his research <laughs> for Boston golf club. And he just included me always as just like one of the guys and, uh, and, and his, his belief in the traditions of the game. I mean, I learned so much from him and, and I'll always be so thankful. So it, it was really, I, you know, being a caddy, John being a, growing up as a caddy and it, it being the, the Wimet Fund, it was just a, it was a really great way to honor him. Well, so well, that was a great opportunity. Yeah. Good question. Awesome. Well, we want to, I don't know if you have any other no, topics or questions. Who knows how I think the world, though. She's, she's <laughs> tremendous. Yep. Holy Cross uh, scratch. You can't, you can't go wrong. <laughs> Holy Cross we just live with a lot of guilt. That's all. <laughs> that's <laughs> the Catholic <right>. guilt. <laughs> That motivates us. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sue, thanks so much. Good luck the rest of this season and we'll be following along and, and we appreciate your time today chatting with us. Thank you. Sue. I really appreciate it. And if I can ever help you guys with ideas on the, 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 the mid women's golf scene, always reach out to me. Glad to help Careful you. what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'd love to. So. Yeah. We'll be sure to bother you. All right. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Sue. Okay. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. you. All right. So Sue Curtin, what a, what a great person. Yeah, she's, she's really passionate about it and you just love, love to be around a high energy. Yep. All positive. Yeah. Positive sure. energy. Yeah. Well, last Holy Cross thing, but you know, that's what, that's how yeah, we roll. That's, Jim. that's, that's how we roll. It. That's part of it. Yeah. For that's sure. a big part of it. <laughs> uh, so golf course confidential today, we, uh, we're going to go down to the, I don't know if this is the South shore this is Swansea. What do you call Swansea? What part of um, the state? I would call it like the southeast. Yeah, it's right on the border of Rhode yeah, Island. Yeah, it's it's not the South Shore. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's not the Cape. But yeah, you start getting known in that area. I've often heard people go. I live in southeast of Massachusetts. Okay, so that's where we're going today. We're going to yeah. go to Swansea. We're going to go to Swansea Country Club. There is an immense amount of golf in this part of the state. I have, I have found a map on the internet that just has a little flag for every golf course in the state, yes. red and blue, depending on public private. And I'll look at it and try to go find places and match up some spots and then create maybe a day of golf. So I went down to Swansea country club. I played Swansea country club. I played Wampanoag and I played two in a day. Swansea country club was the first place. It's 18 holes. The other two were nine. So I got 36 holes in. And they were all within like, man, seven or eight minutes of, of each other drive wise yeah. too. It's, yes. I mean, and, and 
people were reaching out to me while I was down there saying, oh, you should try this place too. Or it's, it's, there's a ton of golf. There is. So Swansea Country Club, I played at 6.30 in the morning. It is a long drive from Boston, even that early. I was up. It's an hour. It's, it's a good hour. You got to drive. It, the, it sent me into Providence and then kind of at the hook edge back. of Providence. And then you hook yeah. back because Swansea is right on the border of, of Rhode Island. And I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I had this really lovely group that I was paired with, kind of a retired couple and another man whose name was Clyde. He was in a golf cart. And there was this whole song and dance at the first first tee box where the couple was like, well, we'll play the first hole. And then if you want to go on, you can go on. So we finished the first hole. Clyde is on the second tee box and he is gone. Golf cart. I didn't see him again. And then I teed off with with the couple and they were like, if you want to just go ahead, you can go ahead. So I, <laughs> I, I signed up for a 630 time figuring I'd be playing with with three people I didn't know. And by one hole, I was walking the place by myself. It's definitely a place you can walk. It's definitely a place that you can kind of play on your own without needing someone to kind of shepherd you around or show you the way. It's all very much in front of you. You can make it. I played the blues. There's a gold tee box at 6,800 yards. I didn't have it in me that day. My golf clubs were still missing at this point. They are now back home. So I, I just, I wanted to, I was just out there to see the golf course, take some pictures and and play a morning round. There is an amazing practice area here, which blew my mind. There's a grass range, a practice bunker, a place where, you know, if, if you get to the place an hour early, Jim, you could, Ooh. you could relax, chat, maybe hit some yeah. chips, hit some putts hit a couple of wedges on the driving range. It's $41 to walk on the weekdays in the morning. That's a good price. 55 on the weekends. They also have an executive course that I didn't get a chance to play. Oh, really? But there's a little executive course. It might be nine holes, kind of just down by where the back nine is. It's a, it's kind of your classic New England golf course. It's tree-lined. It's pretty narrow. There's some tee shots where you think like, they there's some limbs here I'm dealing with on the way. It's got one of the longest par fives in the state. Steve Dredarian at Mass Golf was chatting with me about long par fives because I saw him at the Wilmette. And this is a 628-yard hole, uh, the 13th. I think now that now that the uh, is it the Pines at International is kind of being changed. Yeah, they used to have that long the couple oh, long par fives, and now that they don't, there's some other ones in the state. So 628-yard. That's par five thirteenth, which is B, it was a big one. Oh, it's a big is. one. So, and then the other thing I noticed is they've got like a, a, a area where people, when it's a nice day, you can kind of grab a burger, hang out. The eighteenth green, love eighteenth greens that are close to clubhouses. It's Always. like one of my yeah. right. If you got to walk, I played Oakley last week, and Oakley, you got to walk across two holes to get back to the clubhouse. Yeah, but you can see a, the club. There, there's some places you're like, ah, oh, Worcester Country Club right there. You can almost hit a wedge right. on the patio. Swansea, it's got kind of a little bit of a, a medium. You're pretty close to the clubhouse. You can, people can watch you come in on nine or 18. And I, I, I kind of found it a pretty good golf course. If you're, if you live down in that area or a, a good spot, I wouldn't tell people to drive super far to go play it, but for 41 bucks to walk, if you live down in Southeast Massachusetts, Southeast, that's what uh, I would say. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a good spot. I was kind of encouraged to see a bunch of kids going to the executive course when I made the turn at like eight 30, um, going to, going to play some golf, a, a bunch of buddies as, as, as I know, as a kid growing up, golf was my babysitter for yes, many was. years. And it kind of looked after me on summer days when my mom, <laughs> my mom would drop me off and pick me up at the end of the day. So Swansea country club, 
solid golf course, great price. Seems like a good hang, good practice area. Just go practice there as well. Public golf courses, I think sneaky people think they've got to pay to use some spaces, but a lot of them, you can kind of just show up, you can putt and chip. You'd have to buy your golf balls at the range, but I've started to go to a couple of different golf courses and just chip and putt and they're not going to kick you out. So it's another nice thing to do about that someday. Yeah. Yeah. I have my, I have my, do you have your piccadillies about that? No, I have my places. I will go oh, okay. just for practicing. Yeah. And it, if it's a particular, well, we can talk. About yeah. Well, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one so, for another some greens, opening. Some practice greens I like because they, you want to practice the four to 10 footers. Yep. Other days I just want to, I, I need to leg putt. Leg putting is a lost art. Yeah. Yes, it is. We'll talk about that. Yeah, that's a good one. That'll be an opening for, uh, for another pod. You can, Jim will regale us with his favorite <laughs> places to practice golf. That's amazing. So that's, uh, that's Swansea Country Club in Swansea, Mass. Go check it out. Thanks again to Sue Curtin for joining us. Thanks for listening to the On Course podcast presented by New England Golf Journal. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to Dave Yaz for producing. As always, the On Course podcast is a Siemens Media production.